everybody. This is Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast. I'm your Raiders beat writer, driving my assistant beat writer, the one and only, the great one. That's right. They just call him the great one everywhere he goes. He walks in the room and he's just coolness personified. <laughs> he wears sunglasses at night. <laughs> this man, you probably don't know this, he goes to Planet Fitness. <laughs> or they hook him up to a machine and take his sweat to make Viagra. The great seat treasure, man. Yes, man. How's it going today, Hondo? Good morning to you. How you doing, my friend? Oh, man. Great, great, great. It's always, I, I'm told, now you're too old to remember this, but there used to be a commercial on TV that says, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. That's Zeke Trezor. When Zeke talks, E.F. Hutton listens. That tells you how. Yeah, I've, got, I've, got, I've got to look that one up. I've got to look that one up. <laughs> By the way, did I did you not watch the WKRP one? Yeah, that was that was top notch. I got you pretty was, good. Did you read all the com? I was so far off base on that one. I was like, when you brought it up, I was like, oh, is it a? I think I asked you if it was the oil shortage. Now, no, I was so completely off. So I was embarrassed at first, and then it was, it was pretty funny. Did you read all the comments? The people were like, oh Zeke, it was so traumatic. <laughs> yes, sir. Right, buddy. You and I. Sitting next to each other in the press box, Raiders 63-17. Um, it was just a dominant performance in every way. Your thoughts on the game? Uh, you know, to put it quickly, it was the performance that everybody that is a part of the Raiders has been waiting for um, really all season, where all three phases of the game uh, performed and performed well on the same day. Um, and, you know, you know, if we're, you know, being honest about it, obviously both sides were pretty nicked up. Both sides had injuries. Uh, they weren't at full strength, but it really doesn't matter in the NFL. You take a win, however you can get it, especially after, you know, Sunday's, you know, tough loss where they didn't score any points. So, you know, to see them go out there Thursday and just let it all out, it, it was pretty cool to see. Zeke, one of the things that really stood out to me is I have said since, about a week after AP got hired. If this, if AP had coached against the Bolts, they would have beaten the Bolts. I think there are, I can go through and pick a couple of games this year that they would have won previously. And um, I, I think you you see it. I think you, you had a game where, you know, there was four days. But I think the biggest part of the game, bigger than the win, and let's be honest, in the NFL, wins are everything. But I think it set the platform for more wins. That's why I think it was bigger than just one win. AP was not happy after that loss to the Vikings with his offense. He made it very clear to his offense. Hey, I love you guys. I'm with you. I believe in you. I'm not happy. Yeah. This is what I want. And they responded. That tells me two things. Number one. This myth that he's only a rah-rah coach is stupid. I mean, anybody that felt that after the Marcus Peters butt-chewing, to me, was looking for a reason to negate him. Or very young, and they let one game define him. But people that know football and saw long-term, after the Vikings game, are like, wow, two-thirds of this team is performing well. There's an offense with a bunch of weapons. Let's see how they fix it. You know, 
Yeah, let's see how they let's leave it there. Let's just see how they fix it. You saw how he reacted with this is what I want. And their response in respect to him of man, oh, we're gonna give it to you. I, I just thought it said a lot more about the, as big as the win is, and it's a just win baby mentality, and it should be. I think that was bigger because it, it one win would have been just Thursday. What happened and 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 precipitated it talked about wins in the future. Am I overanalyzing that? No, no, it's a, it's a thousand percent uh, correct. Just, I mean, it really doesn't matter how you look at Thursday. You can't look at Thursday without also looking at what happened on Sunday. You have to look at both at the same time because it was so polar opposite. You went from scoring zero points to sixty three points. That shows a the ability to respond to adversity, which the first eight games of the season, I'm not sure that you could say that they had that ability. Um, and also shows the X's and O's abilities of how to just go out and change. Hey, OK, on Sunday, clearly our offensive game plan did not work. And that was with an extra week of preparation. Our offensive game plan did not work. So that said something. So for you, to hours? Out, are you, are, huh? do you work for the organization hours? Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Um, I'm thinking like if I'm AP, like I'm speaking as a no, I, 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 I know. Listen, I know you were. I was just teasing you. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no. I know what you mean. So but like he's probably like, you know, they're looking at it like, OK, we went we went from scoring zero points on Sunday to scoring 63 points on Thursday. That's a huge deal. That's a huge deal. And then going forward, you say, okay, if you can score 63 points against an NFL team, regardless of the situation, you have a shot in any game that you're going into. Um, So I think Sunday was important, especially when you're looking at Thursday, but not only was last Sunday, you know, important, you're also looking at Christmas day, right? Those guys have a little bit of extra time off and now they have a little bit more confidence. If they can score 63 points, they can go to Kansas city and win. It's not impossible. They're not going to score sixty three, but I think oh. if they go to if they go to Kansas City, I'm 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 working in my mind on the figure. If they get to 27, 20, I'm not sure if it's going to my number. I'm gonna uh, I I reserve the right to change this before the game. If they get somewhere around 24, 27, I think they win uh, in in Kansas City. All right, I want to talk about a guy that um, you and I have taken immense criticism for defending. Um, and it's a guy that AP can't stop praising Jermaine Illuminor. And this guy takes a lot of crap, a lot of it. And I understand when you're going against Khalil Mack, when you're going against the best pass rushers in the NFL, I mean, you're not always going to stop them. I, I remember back to, to, to joint practices this summer, you and I, we're sitting. We're standing there, fixated, watching Max and um, oh, Mayor? the guy from the Rams, Trent Williams. Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. I mean, it was awesome. It was. It, I would have paid. It was 110 degrees, and I would have paid to have to have watched that. It. It was. Remember, it was 50-50 We were talking about. I even wrote about man those two watching those two go out. Why? Because they're two greats. Yeah. They're two of the best in the NFL. And even when Max Crosby goes against Trent, Trent doesn't stop him all the time. Max had his highlights, but so did Trent. Yeah. And I, your generation, obviously different than mine, but when we can go online and buy something and have it delivered this afternoon, we want everything our way. In a society of instant gratification, Sometimes people aren't able to understand everybody's good on that other side of the football and, or they wouldn't be in the national football league for long. 
And I think Jermaine just continues to play, you know, solid, aggressive, mean football. In, in AP, he's not going to get slapped by Will Smith because when his name comes out of AP's mouth, it's respect. Talk about that. 100%. So uh, I would, you know, just on a personal level, Jermaine is just one of the one of my favorite people to talk to. He's always very insightful. Me too. Um, he gives you information that you might not have gotten from someone else. Very, like, you know, close information to the game itself. Uh, he's always keeping his head down. And one thing I would say, the overarching thing that I'd like about Jermaine is that he plays with a certain pride to himself. Win, lose, or draw. He's not going to win them all. Because last time the Chargers played uh, the, the Raiders, Jermaine would tell you that Jermaine was dominated. Um, because most of Khalil's uh, sacks were against Jermaine. And I listen, you could tell that stuck. Jermaine referenced that first Chargers game over and over and over in other interviews throughout the season. And it's been like 10 weeks. He's been pissed off about that game for months. And that shows how much he takes pride in his in his job and in, in his craft. Um, and, and then, of course, you talk about how he how well he actually performs on the field. You know, he, he take you know, he holds his own. You know, you, you take him from right to left. And he still does a serviceable job. And speaking of instant gratification, and I've talked to Jermaine about this before, a lot of people don't understand how you can't just switch from right tackle to left tackle and think it's going to be seamless. And he's done that better than almost anybody that could have been put in that situation. So, yes, you can talk about Jermaine all day, man. He's he's one of the best and most. And you said the word solid. That was the word that I would have used. If you can give me one word to sum up Jermaine, he is solid and very solid, not like kind of solid. He's very solid at his job. And, you know, a lot of people forget the the Raiders uh, wanted Thayer to beat him out. And, you know, they and and to to their credit, they didn't beat him out. I mean, and I'm not saying that Thayer was, Thayer was bad at all. He's a young player, but they were able to keep him. And I think uh, I think that was fascinating. All right. I want to get to a different subject. Because. I, I want to get your pulse. You and I are in the locker room together and and and. Uh, and I love the way you read things. You're younger. You're closer in age to the players. And so there may be, I think there are things that you pick up on. And I respect you for that as a journalist. Um, this team has galvanized behind AP. They don't like him. They love him. And it's a very unique mix. It's almost madness. He could put a boot in their butt. And be hugging them at the same time. It's 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 very unique. It's um not like Rich. Rich Basaccia was the same way, but again, it's kind of like you and them. I'm 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 older like Rich. So it wasn't that they loved them like they loved Rich, but it was hey, this is our guy, it's our grandfather, he's got it, we trust him, let's go. AP, it's Hey, this is our guy. We trust him. He's our leader, but he's still young enough that he relates to them differently. Um, it's amazing to me to watch how they've galvanized behind him. Do you see it? Do you agree with it? How fascinating is it to you as a young guy? I feel it, and I think the so you know I think you you know the the words you're looking for, the sense you're looking for in terms of how they look at AP. If they look at so they look at Rich as like, OK, you know, almost like a father or grandfather, you know, it's a little bit of an elder statesman. They're looking at AP like he's one of us. That's how they look at mm -hmm. AP. Right. He's one of us. He's just in a head coaching position and not just he's just one of us, but he's one of us. He's done it at the highest level and he's in the head coaching position. So I think you mix those three things in as well as everything they've been through. 
you know, I think part of the reason they like AP so much is because of what they went through with Josh McDaniels for, you know, you know, all that time. The fact that he's just the polar opposite and that he's real. Right. And, and then I think when you go back and if you de- go back and look at that Marcus Peters benching. Right. And, and so that was that was what set the tone going forward. If you if he gets the job, you're going to look back at that mark because you got to think. If you as an interim head coach can take Marcus Peters aside and let him know, hey, you're not doing your best job in front of everybody. And a day later, he's not on the team. That says a lot about you as a leader, even as a player's coach. Right. And I think all the players said, OK, whether we're right, wrong or indifferent, he's going to hold us accountable, but he's not going to go overboard. He's not going to play favorites. He's going to do this the right way. And the players identify with that a thousand percent. I had an interesting conversation with a player. And it. I have. I want to be careful how I I say how we had it. Uh, I'm, I'm not necessarily how, but let, let's just say I had an interesting conversation with a player with no camera, just just talking to them, and I, I think you guys call it chopping it up. Is that yeah. what you call it? Yes, sir. Okay. See, I'm getting better. You're you're, you're impacting me, Zeke. Hey, you We there. were chopping it up, <laughs> and uh, again, it was not an interview, so I'm not going to say who it was. I, I, because it wasn't that but they said to me when he jumped on Marcus it got everybody's attention because here's a guy make a lot of money but he didn't care it was all about heart it was all about effort it was all about grinding and that earned him I, I a lot of people are not gonna believe this I don't think there is a yesterday. Oh, I guess it wasn't yesterday. A couple of days ago, man, has it been a time flying? Yeah. I don't think there's a Thursday without a Marcus Peters getting chewed on the bench. I, I really don't. I think the two are so. And, and you, you and I are in the locker room, and that's why I wanted to know. I mean, are are are, are we in unity here on that thought? Oh yes. Uh, listen, man. And then you got to also understand another thing about Marcus, and I think we can all agree um, he's got a little bit of an edge to him. Right. No matter how you know legitimate we may or may not think it is, he has an edge to him. But AP matched that edge in front of everybody. Right. Josh McDaniels would not have matched that edge in front of everybody. Right. He would have took that behind closed doors and they would have talked about it. And uh, no, AP said, we're going to handle this right here on the bench in front of everybody on camera. <laughs> so I think that went a long way. We're not we're going to I'm going to. And then and to your point. Right. AP said, look, I would rather put somebody else in there and we lose the, and we just lose then I keep somebody in there that's not putting forth great effort. And if we're being honest, may not have been putting forth great great effort at other points in the season as well, right? So AP kind of just put his foot down and say, hey, this is it. This is the line that we're drawing. And if you don't want to do and play how we're playing here, you got to go, right? So like you said, you're talking about a veteran who's proved himself, made a lot of money, has an edge, and AP still put his foot down and said, it's this way or you got to go. That says a lot. Yeah, 100% agree. I cannot disagree with anything that you said. All right, let's talk about Aiden O'Connell. I think that performance, um, we've said many times that had he come out a year before he did at Purdue, a lot of people thought he was going to be a first-round pick. He still did it on a professional stage against a professional team. And by the way, for everyone that says, well, but, you know, uh, uh, the, the Chargers had injuries. Was Khalil Mack still not on the field? Did Justin Herbert play defense? How about their uh, star wide receiver. Does he play deep? It just amazes me the amount of people. And, and it's not just Raider fans. It's our society. They could win the lottery and bitch about paying the taxes. They're just never yeah. going to be happy. So you just have to throw that segment of the population out. You're just gone. Yeah, exactly. And, and 
I thought it was a performance he needed to have. Mm -hmm. His confidence right now is through the roof. And and uh, I, I thought the youngster deserves props today. Listen, man, Aiden has been balling. I mean, even in some of the losses, Aiden was playing well. Now, has he been playing perfect? Not by any means. But he's been playing very, very well, if you ask me. And then what I would say in terms of that confidence, because there were some of the highlights they showed of his um, early touchdowns on Thursday. And what I like to do is whenever a quarterback's throwing, if they get that that close look on the on the helmet of a quarterback, I like to look at their eyes. When I tell you Aiden was just – it was like – automatic for Aiden like you could just see him there it is boom like I'm not thinking about it and I think Thursday was that was his that was the progression that he made all the other weeks leading up to Thursday it was almost like he was thinking too much including in the first Chargers game he's just thinking too much a little bit too much to where he's holding on to the ball a little bit too long Thursday that wasn't the case it was like okay that's it throw the ball get rid of the ball get rid of the ball and then you can see as he started getting rid of the ball quicker successfully and completing the passes it was just it's a snowball effect it really is so uh, he's been playing well. And again, you talk about bouncing back from adversity. I mean, you just scored zero points coming out of a bye week as a rookie quarterback, and you come back and you and you manufacture that kind of a game. You got to you got to tip your cap to him. All right, I want to talk about Patrick Graham because you know I'm I'm on the Patrick Graham train. This guy is not getting enough attention um, that he deserves. You and I had a long conversation about him the other day when we were driving the car. Um, to me, this is a guy that's not getting the respect. He's not getting the attention. And this is a guy who has done a phenomenal job. I know that you agree with me. Let's talk about Patrick Graham. Yeah, listen, I'm smiling because you know how I feel about Pat Graham. And 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 I'm a defensive guy. I love watching good defensive football. And he does his job well. He, he hasn't been given, a, you know, necessarily a whole lot by NFL standards. But with what he's been given, I mean, pretty much all season, He's done a great job, and now it's getting to the point where you can no longer – because it's been 14 games, right? You have a large enough sample size to say, that's real. That's not a fluke. That's not an accident. That defensive coordinator knows what he's doing. So, I, you know, I look at it like this. If he can make a top-10 defense out of what he's been given this year, what can he do when he's get, when he's been handed better personnel? It, you know, you have to ask yourself that. So um, I know, you know, coaching and, and the coaching staff and things of that nature are up in the air this offseason – um, and, and nobody really knows what's going to happen, but Pat Graham, I mean, how do you not keep him in my opinion? I'm sorry. I think he's done a great job. I think he's been doing a great job. And I think the continuity is only going to help him do better. Should he stay next year? You and I, now you grew up a Raider fan. You're a Raider fan. There's nothing wrong with admitting that. Cause that's who you are. I did not. And, but whether it's me, who's adamant, I'm not a fan. I root for good people, and there happens to be a lot of good people on the Raiders, so I, I want to see those people do well. But our job is to not let anything come into our purview. Our job is to is to just be direct and to tell people this is the recipe, this is what happened. You make your own decisions. When you look at all that this team has done, and let's we're sticking with Patrick Graham here. Last year, if we were just after clicks, we would have not told people, boy, Patrick Graham, it's a big deal. He's coming back. I mean, the email, the comments, the what are you doing? You're only a voice for the regime. You're a shell. Patrick Graham is, I mean, I was horrible. I remember one time. My wife was going through my mentions, and she's like, oh, dear God, I can't read anymore. Why? I'm going to get mad. 
And but that's part of the instant gratification culture. Let's just fire everybody. It doesn't. This is where the NFL hurts itself. It used to be you would get a guy, you'd bring him in and allow him to develop something, to to put something in their image. And I'm telling you, I, I when you look at Patrick Graham, there let that be a case study to everyone that wanted to say after the Vikings game, Aiden O'Connell sucks. Let Colton Miller be a case study to the people that said he was a bust. Look what Clee Farrell's doing now in San Francisco. Let that be a statement to people who want to say everybody is a bust. They're, the game of football is not a game of absolutes. It humbles everyone. It humbles the media that cover it. It humbles the fans. It humbles the players and the coaches and the owners and the management. He is a classic example of sometimes we throw a lot away that has a lot of value. Because we were too impatient. Right. And hey, listen, you, you hit it right on the head. These day and age, you get a new head coach and teams are wanting, you know, fans are wanting a team to go to the Super Bowl in the first or second year. And it's like you're talking about the ultimate team sport when new coaches come in and they have to implement their own ways and their own coaching, you know, coaching styles and bringing their own players to think that you're going to get great results immediately. is just it's, it's not it's not accurate. So, you know, to kind of look at what Pat Graham has done um, in a limited amount of time. You know, again, you have to you have to ask yourself, what is he going to do with more time, with better players, with more continuity? Um, and then, you know, you, you got to be patient. Right. You got to give them time to do that. Um, and I think if you do that, you're only going to see even more progress from the defense. Our philosophy in covering the Raiders is we give a coach 20 games to bring in his players, to adapt his style and all that. And then you it doesn't mean you're not. It doesn't mean you're not analytical. But unless it's something egregious, you're not really super critical till after 20 games. We've talked multiple times on this show that by year three, a player has to begin to go from potential, which, which is something you talk about the first two years. Yes. But in year three, it has to go from potential to production. Malcolm Coons. And Yeah, and that's where I'm going with this. So before the year started – and people could go back and find it. I wrote about third-year guys that this was the year. They had to produce this year. Potential's great, but this is the year. Malcolm Coons have said from the day they picked him, love this guy, talented. I like what he does. I like the way he does it. This guy's got bend. He's got the ability. He's just – it's just. I, I've said this about him. Roy Rogers, the great – Hollywood Cowboy used to say the best thing for a young horse is a wet saddle blanket. What it means is he's sweating because you're riding him a lot and you're letting him learn how to ride. Mm -hmm. Same principle with them. That brings us to our guy, Malcolm Coons. Great kid. He is a great kid. Just a great. I, I don't know anybody that doesn't like him. Great yeah. kid. All the God-given talent. And he's got the heart. And you heard AP say it the other day. He finally found who he is. He finally figured out who I am. Where do I fit in this scheme? And I think the Raiders got a bright future with Malcolm Koontz. Your thoughts? Completely agree. Um, and I think, you know, just like a lot of people can notice when a player or a coach is far away, when they're not close to, the, to, to where you want them to be, you can also notice when a player is close. And sometimes being close for, you know, a long enough amount of time can be a bad thing, right? Malcolm would kind of let that frustration push him into 
not being close, but finishing the deal. And then once it's almost like Aiden, right? Once Aiden got that first couple pass and passes in and his confidence started to grow, once Kuntz started to get home this season and started to get started to get to the quarterback, pressure the quarterback, it just started coming over and over and over again. He put it together, right? He was close for so long, and now he took that next step to not more, no, no, excuse me, not, not potential, but I'm gonna show you where I'm going here in the future. So Malcolm has put it together, he's gonna continue to grow. Um, and like you said, he entered the season with a lot of eyes on him, especially being opposite of Max Crosby, especially with them drafting uh, Tyree. You know, you got the guy in front of you and Max, you got a guy that could be coming to take your spot in Tyree. And he still performed. He still made, took that next step. So he's shown a lot of progress. Um, you know, like you said, we root for good people. He's a good person and he's a talented player. So you just you just hope that he continues to do what he's doing. Let's talk about another guy that you and I really like. Just a wonderful kid. Uh, Tyree Wilson. Just, just a great kid. And, I mean, Patrick Graham, you know, a lot of people don't know. Chandler's career with the Raiders may have not ended the way everyone wanted it. I think we can all agree. I, I think Chandler would agree with that. But he's still a guy with Hall of Fame numbers that Patrick Graham helped make into who he is. And bringing him along the same way, moves him, slides him on the inside so he can learn his hands. I don't believe his career is done at DE at all. Right. But he, he moves inside to learn the skills that he needs it on the outside. That's a kid. Keeps grinding. He's not even 100%. He just keeps grinding, head down. Really, really like Tyree and what this kid's doing. And, man, he's just getting better every game. Yeah, Tyree's taking his strides, right? And, you know, we keep saying it, but it's it's the fact of the matter. And when you look at the beginning of the season, Chandler was a major part of the team. He was a major part of the plans. So for it to end the way it did so abruptly, it definitely affected Tyree Wilson. And, you know, here we are week 14, and he's been taking his steps week by week by week. And it just seems like the more that Patrick Graham starts to move him around, like we mentioned, starts to try different things and put him in different places in different situations, he's thriving. And I think for I think for Tyree, what works for him specifically is when you move him inside, and you, you and I have talked about this, when you move him inside, he doesn't necessarily have to go get the sack. He doesn't necessarily have to go get the stats. All he has to do is just be disruptive. So now when you got a six foot six guy in the middle of your offense, completely, you know, wreaking havoc, and then you still got Kuntz and, and Max chasing you. Good luck. Good luck. It, you know, it, it changes the game defensively. And I think moving Tyree around has been the biggest difference in the last two weeks. I do. that. The defense has always been good this season. They've been good the whole season, but they've been better the last two weeks. I think we got to, they, they've taken a step the last two weeks. And I firmly believe it's because they've been moving Tyree around and like they've mentioned, played four defensive ends on the defensive line, you know, from here, you know, from time to time. So Patrick Graham trying new things is working great, uh, you know, wonders for Tyree Wilson in the defense. I, I think it's I think it's brilliant of Patrick Graham when he's playing four defensive ends and obviously past situations. All right. One other thing I want to talk about, and then we're going to get you out of here for the day. But I, I think it's something that is um Worthy of discussion. I think it's something that, that's germane uh, about this football team. When you look at where the Raiders are today and you look at how they're they're growing, how they're coming together, how they're fighting, there's a lot of interesting pieces in this, this Raider team. And But the thing that stands out to me was Carmen Brasillo with the offensive line. Tremendous job. I mean, AP couldn't stop praising him. Rob Leonard with the defensive line. So a lot of fans have said, oh, man, we'd, 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 we'd 
draft Nesta Jade Silver, Nesta Jade Silvera, and Byron Young, and they're they're flops. Hold on, tap the brakes. Remember Malcolm Coons. Remember other players. You've got Adam Butler, Jerry Tillery, John Jenkins, Bilal Nichols, who are all playing really well. Now, most people don't think about this. When you look at a stat sheet, you're not going to see a lot of stats from those guys. <clears throat> That's not what they do in this defense. They're supposed to eat. They're supposed to take up multiple blocks so the linebackers can clean up. The defensive ends can clean up. But those four defensive tackles are playing at such a high level, the two rooks can't even get on the field. And, and, and people are, oh, they're busts. No, they're not at all. These guys are not. There is no, no one in the building that thinks those two are busts at all. They just are super excited. The four vets are playing so well. You've heard us. We've talked to AP. We've talked to, um, no, maybe not AP. We talked to Patrick Graham about it. And those are, that's what he said. I, I think people tap the brakes a little bit. you got a top 10 defense, playing like a top 10 defense. So don't get mad when you got rooks. Look, 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 Marcus Epps is here today because on the Philadelphia team, the other safeties who they believed were good couldn't get on the field and his contract was up. So they thought we can elevate a young person now because we're going to pay him less and we need room in the salary cap. Those four DTs are here at good deals for the Raiders, playing fantastic. It's not that the rookies are bad. It's that the the, the vets are playing that well. Thoughts. And that's and that's coming directly from uh, Rob Leonard. So, you know, we spoke to him, I want to say the, the bye week. Um, and Rob literally kind of chuckled when, you know, uh, you know, Byron's name came up because people were like, oh, Byron's like Rob was like, hey, the guys in front of him were playing great. Now, if the guys in front of him were playing bad and the young guys still aren't getting on the field, then you have a problem, right? But when you got the guys that are just playing well, they're doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, the rookies are going to sit. That's how it goes on any level of football, right? Like, you're not going to bring up the younger guy that just got there and put him in front of vets that are playing well. That doesn't happen on any level of football. I don't care where you're drafted. So, uh, you know, to your point, those guys are doing well, right? It's not a it's not a sign that the rookies aren't where they're supposed to be or that they don't have potential. It's actually a sign that you brought in some great people uh, in front of them to play, uh, you know, to play those positions. So they, you know, sometimes there is a such thing as too much talent or our guys are playing well. And, you know, the talented players behind them just don't see the field that happens, you know, and I think that's where they are right now. But also, you got to keep in mind, you know, and I, and I bring this up a lot in my articles, but when they on, on cut down day, the defensive line had they kept more defensive linemen than any other position group. That, that's just logistically. It's not a whole lot of playing time left. Right. So, you know, you got to take everything into account. Those guys that are not seeing the field, it's not because they're they're not good. A, they need more time to develop. B, the veterans in front of them are just playing pretty darn good. I agree. Listen, there may be a couple of weak links on this staff that AP will change in the and if he gets the job. But this, what we've said it all along, it's not a bad staff at all. This is a very good staff. I mean, there may be one or two guys that maybe you want to move out, but this is a great staff. Rob Leonard, Carmen Brasillo. I mean, look at what Edgar Bennett's doing. Justin Simmons. There are so many really good coaches on this staff, and they're coaching at a very high level right now. And I think. It's great to watch AP empowering them to coach. Yeah, AP and uh, empowering them to coach. So AP empowers in general, right? And I think that's what the team has what has resonated with the team. 
he's empowering you to say, hey, this is what you make it, right? You know, as much as I am the coach, if you guys don't go out there and perform, if you guys don't go out there and coach, it really doesn't matter. So that's one thing that he does well. And I think that's what any great leader does. Any great leader is going to empower those below them to be great. And that's what AP does. Well, listen, this guy right here, he's works for me, but he's a just a great young man. I call you a kid and you got a couple of kids, but you know you're a kid to me. But I just genuinely think the world is Zeke. And I am so grateful that, uh, that God blessed us and brought him to our staff. And uh, it's tremendous. Thank huh? Thank you. Well, you know, I feel that way personally. You know, I feel that way. I, I don't just say it on air. I, I tell him that privately. We are very fortunate to have him. He's a great journalist, does a great job the way he fetters information. He's lol. And uh, he's great at what he does. And I'm proud of him. And Zeke, as we get ready to head to the new year, one of the things that I'm thanking God for every day is that you're part of our team. Can't wait to just watch your career continue to grow. You got a bright future. And uh, I'm glad to cover the Raiders with you. Make sure you tell Jasmine that I and the kids I said Merry Christmas. But great to have you on. And I'll make a prediction for this Sunday, meaning tomorrow, no loss for the Raiders. Next week. We'll make our predictions for at the Chiefs. Yes, sir. No, no wins or losses this Sunday. We'll wait for uh, for Christmas Day. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you. Well, I'll, I'll talk to you way before, but on the podcast, we'll talk to you next week. He's the one and only, the great Zeke Trezavant. I'm Hondo Carpenter. We are your Raiders beat writers for Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast, All, part of the Fans First Sports Network. Now, remember, follow us on uh, follow me on Twitter at. Hondo Carpenter, H-O-N-D-O-C-A-R-P-E-N-T-E-R. And on uh, Instagram, by the way, I was told that there's no S on, so I apologize. It's Instagram. On Instagram, I-G, Hondo S-R, stands for Hondo Senior. Now, also, if you don't want to <laughs> watch me on video, I don't blame you. It's why I shower with the lights off. But you can catch our audio-only versions of the podcast when you go to Spotify or to Apple and if you go to Spotify and Apple, we I have a second podcast every day. It's five or ten minutes called Riding with Hondo. Love to see you there. Thanks, everybody. Merry Christmas from Zeke and I. We'll talk to you again real soon. Bye, Zeke. Bye-bye. This has been a Las Vegas Raiders Insider Production on the Fans First Sports Network. Whoa.